Well, hello, travellers, and welcome along to another Phil Hoffman Travel Podcast. Today we are talking about Shanghai and the Port Adelaide are heading there. Joining me from the Glenelg office, Melanie Wynn. Lovely. Hi, Lou. How are you going? Very well. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you. You've been in the industry for a long time. Yeah, about 30 years now, yeah. Did you ever expect that Port Adelaide would be playing a game of footy in China? <laughs> yeah, well, two things, actually. Did I ever expect that? And did I ever expect to be going to China to even witness a football match? Because mm. it was actually my first ever football match, ever AFL football match. So uh, I can't say I'm a, a football pundit per se, but um, I know a hell of a lot more about um, China and uh, Port playing in China yep. than I ever did before. Well, if you're ever going to do... Your first game of footy. Might sure, well you could do the Adelaide Oval, but why <laughs> yeah, not go it, to yeah. Jianwan Stadium <laughs> yeah. in a city that has a billion people? Um, let's talk about China because the experience itself, to go to any game of footy is fantastic. Yeah. To do it overseas and to do it in this setup, talk to us about the experience of going to China and to Shanghai itself. Well, I, I went to China um, for the first time quite a long time ago. It was probably uh, the early 2000s, and I, and I went there with the misconception that it'd be like Russia with rice, you know. Um, it's actually an open market economy, and it's actually um, the Manhattan of Asia is Shanghai, um, and China itself is a very cosmopolitan place. I mean, everything you pick up these days has made in China on it. You know, they're one of the biggest manufacturers on earth, but they also do hospitality really well, and that was one of the biggest surprises for me. That was the accommodation, you know, the hotel accommodation, is as good as you'd find anywhere in you know on the globe so um, to have a football match somewhere as I think electrifying as Shanghai I mean the, the whole place looks like um, a set piece from Blade Runner you know with all these neon sort of drenched highways and mm. street signage everywhere and amazing shops great big emporiums built just to house um, Rolex watch shops and, and great big huge sort of emporiums that would give you know Marion Shopping Centre a complete run for anyone's money you know they're, they're, they're just a dime a dozen everywhere there's 26 million people there so then to hold a, a football match of, um, of that magnitude in somewhere as amazing as electrifying as Shanghai which would be arguably 10 12 times bigger than Manhattan I'm, mm. I'm, I'm not kidding with you so when I say that I mean it's a a gigantic place it's absolutely gigantuan to have a, a football match there is just adding a sort of um extra layers to the the, the whole sort of event um and as i said i i'd never been to to see a football match sort of ever quite ever and that's uh, any kind of afl match my my brother in law is a crow supporter so he'd bang on about sort of taking me up there for a meat pie and a, mm -hmm. a bit of a wing ding at um adelaide oval and i'd never sort of got around to doing it and um went there as part of work on the inaugural season 2017 the stadium itself is um, Jungwon Stadium, which was built in the 1930s to uh, um, house basically sort of um, uh, athletic displays for the Chinese. Um, so it's built in a very kind of Chinese, Chinese sort of Art Deco style. So a complete departure from any kind of oval we would understand yep. here in Australia, including our world-class Adelaide Oval, our redeveloped oval. So um, so for starters, it's sort of more sort of low level. It's, um, it's not... Uh, a very large sort of um, um, oval as such, um, but the place was chosen because it could accommodate an Australian-sized Aussie rules oval, mm. um, which was superimposed over the top of this sort of imperial measured sort of green. So they bought in, um, I think, something like three quarters of a million dollars worth of uh, grass treatment and uh, uh, and basically replicated the experience that you would have at home, but with a couple of um, extra flourishes. Um, so you've got this sort of Chinese sort of Art Deco looking sort of... Uh, um, edifice um, at both sides at both the uh, the western and also the uh, uh, the southern end of the oval and then you've got uh, of course the familiar sort of goalposts and everything else but um, apart from that it's sort of more like a I think like a 
kind of like a high-end sort of villagey sort of atmosphere. Mm. I mean, there's no Coopers and, uh, uh, you know, Aussie meat pies <laughs> as we understand them, but they do a pretty good job of um, importing and making some of it sort of locally. So you can get beers and chairs and you can get snacks and things like that. You can purchase all your, you know, your souvenir type stuff from the, the matches, which historically has been yep. uh, Port and Gold Coast Suns. But um, the, uh, the whole event is sort of more like a, kind of like a nice sort of carnival mm. atmosphere, a little bit like going to, um, if you were not, at Alan Scott Park at Morfittville watching the races or at Flemington. Instead, you were on Kangaroo Island. So yep. it's sort of more like a, a country-style race meet, yeah. I suppose, is the best way to sort of put it. And then beyond there, you then got basically the um, the metropolis of, um, of, of Shanghai. Shanghai. So, I describe it, if you go to the cricket at the yeah. Adelaide Oval, at the back where yeah. number two is, yeah. is like a... Now they call it the village green. It's that kind of atmosphere yes, for a game of yes, footy. Yes, it's people yeah. are in a good mood. Yeah. You're in a foreign city. You're in a foreign country yet you still have the familiarity of a game of footy going ahead. And yes. for every Chinese person that's at the game, there's an expat right next to you that supports one that's of the it, teams yeah. or is just there for a good time. Yeah, so you've got basically all the branding of home and you look at the uh, uh, the oval and you get the uh, the familiar Toyota signs and all that sort of stuff and all of the branding on uh, uh, all the Guernseys and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, you're quite right. You look to your neighbour and it could be a Chinese person, mm. which is very good for, um, you know, Australian sort of Chinese relations. That was one of the other reasons why this sort of thing was done, you yep. know, to sort of uh, foster goodwill and uh, great commercial relationships between Australia and sort of China and geez it's working amazingly I mean the Chinese are really really grasping this whole notion of uh, of AFL football so a lot uh, of people when they go overseas want to go to sporting events if they go yeah. to the UK they want to see the Premier League if they go to America basketball or football or ice hockey this is a chance for people to experience a sporting event in another country as done by another country yep. but with the familiarity of it's our game that's it that's yeah, what I yeah. loved as well yeah that, that's the crazy part about it you know you can then go and have some of the world's best dim sims and you know walk into a shop where nobody speaks any English yep. but then you come to this game whether it's being held on a Saturday <laughs> or Sunday in this case it's going to be uh, Sunday the 2nd of June next year um, and it is yeah it's immediately familiar but but um, mm. kind of a bit quirky and a bit kind of different and yet you can walk down the, the Rundle Mall of Jianwan and yeah, all yeah. of a sudden and there's a Port Adelaide Guernsey yeah, in it. amongst yeah. 100,000 Chinese yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Shanghai. So people know how great the footy experience is itself. You don't have to be a Port or a Saints fan. You can be a footy fan or just someone who wants to experience something very unique yeah. to go to this particular oh, yeah, game. It's very true. Yeah. Shanghai itself, though, uh, and you can explain this to us, I was staggered. I had no idea what to expect. I was a bit like you. I thought this will be China. This will be a billion people. It will be smoggy. It will be hard to understand, hard to get around. Yeah could not have been further from the truth. No, I think a lot of people think that this misconception that China is either um, heavily provincial or it's just full of, you know, row after row of factories manufacturing plastic shoes and plastic kind of anything. And, and Shanghai and actually Beijing are both world-class cities. And I think what gives Shanghai the edge over sort of any other sort of uh, city within the region, and that could be Guangzhou, it could be Beijing, it could be Guilin, because, I mean, they, they, these cities, Leith, let's face it, are massive, mm. right? Um, but Shanghai, um, it obviously had... Um, um, an influence, of course, from foreigners because it was a, a free port during the Opium Wars and all these sort of things. So you had the Americans there, you had the French there, and you had the British there. So there's this amazing kind of legacy of architecture left over from that period. So when you're sort of like um, on the Huangpu River, looking at across from the new side of Shanghai, so from the Pudong side, you look back across to old Shanghai and you've got an amazing uh, um, swath of uh, waterfront known as the Bund. B-U-N-D. And if you, if you close your eyes and you open them momentarily, you could almost be on the embankment in London. Mm. You could be at Liverpool. Yep. 
Um, this amazing architecture is extraordinary. And it sort of dates from about the 1920s, 19 sort of 30s. And it's where you've got probably Shanghai's best hotel, the Fairmont Peace Hotel. And there are a number of other really good hotels along there, the Peninsula, the Four Seasons, and a number of other ones. So we actually do some packages at the uh, uh, the Fairmont uh, Peace Hotel. But um, it's a really atmospheric sort of place. And then, of course, you've got running off there, Nanjing Road. Nanjing Road would be a seven and a half kilometre pedestrianised um, street in sections. Mm. So some of it's cars only and some of it's sort of like very walking friendly. But I mean, if you, if you, if you figure Rundle Mall or uh, uh, any of the malls that we have here in Australia, you sort of uh, compare those with what they have in China yep. and there's just no comparison. There's Every just second massive. building along that Bund yep. seems to be different. Yes, it does, yeah. The architecture is yeah. yeah, amazing. Yeah, there's about 30 or 40 buildings and you can actually do a tour that sort of... Uh, uh, goes into some of those buildings and who constructed them in greatly more depth. And most of them were built by very wealthy merchants, banks, that sort of thing. And some of them are still banking institutions. But um, one of the nice things to do is to do a cruise on the Huangpu River so that you can see the juxtaposition between old and new. So you've got basically old Shanghai on the Bun side yep. and then you've got this amazing new Shanghai on the Huangpu or Pudong side of um, the river. And most of this, um, the Pearl Tower of Asia and some of these amazing edifices have been constructed in the last 20 years. Mm. In fact, there are three what they term um, super skyscrapers, including the Jingmao Tower. And they, we're talking towers that are 120, 130 storeys high. So um, they, they don't construct... Um, things uh, uh, on a whim you know no. they, they, they go for a lot of international planning and this sort of stuff and um, um, a lot of the skyline now rivals what you would see in Chicago New yep. York and other cities sort of across the world it's a beautiful spot if you're someone that likes to walk along a river oh you yeah know, if it's a yeah. Yarra run yeah. or someone that on the Esplanade at Adelaide it just yeah. seems to go for miles that's it but it's very peaceful it yeah. seemed to be very quiet it was a lot greener than I expected there's yeah. passages yeah. of sort of uh flowers and plants if you like sort of on the walls there are um if you're on any of the um the highways and um you you feel like you're in the the year 2047 or mm. something because they're so futuristic um there's a lot of green and uh, a chap i know michael keelan who talks on uh, radio he's a, a big green thumb and he said one of the things that struck him immediately as well as phil actually was the amount of um green in the mm. city and particularly along the freeways and you'll see people tending these amazing shrubs and most attending sort of starts taking place about February, March. So by the time people arrive in sort of May, June, yep. it's at probably its most blooming marvellous, mm. you know, like it's incredible. And there are a lot of green spaces sort of given over to um, um, amazing flower beds, the kind I haven't seen since I was in Turkey and Amsterdam and places yep. like this. You know, Istanbul comes alive in April with the tulips and uh, um and amazing sort of blooms as you would find in Europe. But, they seem um, to not waste space. If it's a roundabout, oh, no. for example, that's a chance to put a oh, flower Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, they, they're they meisters at um, living literally on top of one another. You know, I mean, real estate is at a complete sort of um, uh, uh, premium in Shanghai. So, uh, and, and surprisingly, um, all the hotels that I've ever stayed at in Shanghai or in China for that matter, despite the fact that real estate is at a premium, all of the hotel rooms have been really good. Like, I mean, as soon as I say to people, I'm heading to London or I'm heading to Paris, people are like, good luck if there's going to be more mm. than two of you in a room. You know, but in Shanghai and China overall, I was very impressed with the size of accommodation, yep. you know, in terms of uh, guest rooms and that sort of thing. So Let's talk about old Shanghai before we get on to what people can expect on the mm. new bit. Um, you walk through old Shanghai, there is quirky Chinese-ness if that's even a word. Yeah. Where yeah. you could have a, a man on a, like a hammer or doing sort of some sort mm -hmm. of renovation work, mm -hmm. you know, as people would do when they're building buildings. Yeah. And right next door 
is people ballroom dancing or yeah. people doing yeah. Chinese uh, yeah, tai, chi, tai Chi that sort of thing yeah, yeah. it's an unusual sort of juxtaposition yeah. of yeah you do you see, you see quite a bit of that you see you see some of the most sort of amazing technologically advanced construction going on and then you'll see the bamboo sort of um, scaffolding mm. taking place you know because bamboo is by far and away one of the strongest natural substances to to use in in building sort of um, uh, constructions and then as you said you'll see guys you know hammering um, like uh, bits <laughs> of metal or you know conducting sort of like a barber shop in a, a tiny little side street with things that you thought had gone out of fashion in the yep. 18th century you know so there are a lot of um, unique aspects to um, Shanghai in fact we were on the pedestrianised section um, along Nanjing Road and then also in the Yuyuan region and Yuyuan was, was with Yuyuan Gardens. There are a lot of traditional shops that are around there and one shop I came across sold nothing but scissors, beautifully crafted scissors. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were a hairdresser, you would just love this place, <laughs> you know, but amazing scissors crafted in um, a really time-honoured sort of tradition, mm. you know, um, hand-forged and uh, hand-polished uh, uh, and uh, sharpened. Um, so there are a lot of little individual shops sort of dotted, not just in Shanghai, but right across China, dedicated to knives or to scissors or yep. padlocks or, you know. For a city with as many people as our entire country, yeah. it's remarkable at how easy it is it to is. get around. There, there was only one time where I saw at a set of traffic lights, maybe what would have felt like 200 people on motorcycles at the time yeah. going across. Yeah. Other than that, it was just organised, calm, everyone yeah. got about their business. Yeah. It wasn't the hustle and bustle I expected. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't say that it was even organised chaos because it's not chaos. No, it's like not chaos. It was not chaotic in, in, any, in any sense. It's chaos when you go to India, you know, but when you're in China, um, uh, as you say, I mean, one of the cheapest ways for most Chinese to get around are on scooters and mopeds because the the cost of purchasing a car it's it's the plate cost that can cost seventy eighty thousand of our dollars mm. you know and it's to prevent people from bringing yet another car onto the roads um, but whether you've got pedestrians or whether you've got people on mopeds and scooters I suppose the difference is as we get caught up in it all is they know exactly where they're going mm. we don't yep. we're just sort of on on foot and we're looking around but you don't always have to be on foot because to, to get around um, there's a, a, a remarkable metro system mm. that operates right across the length and breadth of the city it's very easy it's dual language so it's in uh, uh, of course uh, Mandarin and also English so it's easy to get around um, many um, hotels have metro stations uh, within literally two to three hundred meters there's even a fast train like I mean I'm talking fast 300 kilometers an hour that exists from central Shanghai to Padong Airport and you can do that journey in 15 minutes and it would ordinarily by car yep. take you well over an hour so that's it's an incredible. extraordinary journey and people do that just to sort of experience high-speed trains I mean and it's this magnetic sort of maglev technology. They call it a maglev train. So it operates on sort of like a, a magnetic sort of rail system. And the Chinese are, are going in leaps and bounds with that. But then you've also got cabs as well. I mean, I'm, I'm a cab catcher, to be honest. I, I like the uh, um, the convenience of a cab. I guess the main thing you, you, you need to know when you are in anywhere in China, really, unless you're a maestro when it comes to... Uh, written Cantonese or Mandarin, and it's all Mandarin in mainland China, is to take a card from the hotel. Take a card from the hotel, flash it to the driver if you're going back to your hotel, so at least he knows where yep. to drop you. Um, because it's fairly likely he's not going to speak a hell of a lot of English. Mm. Um, and cabs are really inexpensive for getting around. You can do a half an hour cab drive through fairly thick traffic and pay no more than five, six bucks. Yep. You know, So it's, it's easy. I love a subway. 
So yeah. we caught the subway system. We caught the public transport from old Shanghai yeah. to new Shanghai. And yeah. again, it just seemed to go on for miles and oh, miles, yeah. this particular carriage. A lot of people in there as well. But on the new side of Shanghai, you talked about the architecture and we can talk about the Pearl Tower. But if people love shopping, yeah. think of the Melbourne market. Yes. on steroids yeah the black market there yeah. was unbelievable and yeah. we thought we'll go around we'll walk for a couple of hours we'll catch up with you at some stage i did not see any of my party for the best part of hours yeah. because there are so many stalls yeah yeah there are some amazing stalls um are you referring to the uh, shanghai technology markets is that where yeah. you went the underground sort of markets, yeah, markets. yeah um <clears throat> we we got a cab up there um it had cost um Oh, I suppose it cost us about 10 bucks or thereabouts. It was about a 40-minute cab journey because we had to go over a bridge at one point and they charged us a toll and we got out and uh, we thought we were going to be sold into slavery. It was this kind of like nothingness kind of place and it's like we're looking for the words market, not finding anything. All of a sudden we saw a couple of Europeans coming towards us with some bags and I said, oh, English? And she said, yes. She said, you're looking for the markets? And I said, yes, we are. And she said, literally, down, down across the way, down some escalators and you'll come across it underneath. It's underneath where we're standing. So we've gone down there, and honestly, you could have bought anything from the the latest um, Hackett shirts and Gucci, Ralph Lauren, Gant, all the major brands, and then and then shoes, of course, as well, mm. Miu Miu and Prada and Converse and pretty much anything you want. Yep. You know, uh, a lot of these designs obviously fall off the back of lorries, and oh look, there they are in the <laughs> fake market. You know, and <clears throat> what I would say to anyone going to these markets really is. Uh, uh, I'd utter the words caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. Um, go, go, go your hardest when it comes to uh, shoes and uh, 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 garments. Yep. Um, if they're sort of like long distance running type shoes, probably give them the heave ho and go and get those at um, a sports shop back home here in Australia, you know what you're buying. But if they're just for sort of casual common or garden walking, you know, pair of Converse's you can't go wrong for yep. seven bucks. Yep. Um, and then it doesn't matter how good the uh, the iPhone um, sounds in store, and it's only a hundred bucks, and uh, you can get the, the Dr. Dre, you know, Beats by Dr. Dre headphones for 50 bucks. Yep. Don't bother, you know, they'll, no. they'll go snap, crackle and pop. And they, Shows uh, you how quickly things date, that it wasn't that long ago we're in China, but we yeah. bought the fidget spinners, which are now, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, the people yeah. of yeah. now yeah. are saying, what are a fidget spinner? But yeah. there were thousands of them. Yeah. That whole area itself is fantastic. The Pearl Tower yeah. Yeah. is one of the most remarkable towers that you can go in, not only for yeah. a view, but everything else that they have in that actual tower that people can enjoy as well. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, um, the views from there are just astounding. And to get pictures there as well, I mean, particularly at night time, you don't have to have a, a really good camera to do it either. You can be on that, um, you're on the Bun side without mm. even being on a cruise or on a cruise itself, uh, and you can get some remarkable pictures of, um, you know, the Shard-like sort of towers and then yep. the Pearl Tower of Asia. Um, it's, it's quite a neat place to stay on that side of the river because you do get sort of the views back to sort of the old side but I'd have to say apart from sort of um, some of the big shopping malls there's a big Disney store out there and a few other things there's also a tunnel that exists underneath the um, the Huangpu River itself so you can use the tunnel to get across to the other side if you you feel like walking Um, that that's quite good but my preference is probably to stay on the Bun side Mm. Um, that that's where I think it's sort of more happening whether you're staying sort of just on or just off Nanjing Road. One of my favourite hotels is the the Pullman Shanghai Jinang, and I've been staying there now for the last three or four years, and I and I love it because I know where I am. Yep. Across the road, you've got a Carl's Junior. There's a Starbucks. There's a, a shopping emporium. There's twenty or thirty Chinese restaurants around it. There's a fake market underneath. Yep. There's a McDonald's. There's a a little shop actually. Um, they've got them right across Shanghai Miniso M I N I S I Miniso, and they're a little bit like the Japanese two dollar shops. Uh, and they're far better than some of the $2 shops that we've got here. And you can buy everything from uh, little tiny uh, 
uh, nail clipper kits mm-hmm. to um, screwdrivers in every conceivable size to yep. fix anything from a pair of spectacles to a garden shed. So uh, I always find that they're quite sort of quirky. I love anything where you can walk and see a view, but I love a little bit of danger in there. The Pearl Tower has that with the glass yes. floor yes. where you feel like you're going yeah. to fall out. So some people that don't like heights yeah. will keep clear, but those who do, uh, do they yeah. would certainly have a look at that. Yeah. There's a roller coaster in the tower yeah. as well, which you can take part of as well. So it literally doesn't matter what age you are, is it? I mean, families would love it. Young kids oh. would love Shanghai. Yeah, uh, I think so. Middle-aged or older people would. Yeah, it's actually that's a good city for families because you've got all the gardens and all that sort of stuff. But then you've got the you've got the the major magnet, and not many cities have these. And that's Uncle Walt's dream, Disneyland. Mm. So Disneyland Shanghai, it's about half an hour out of downtown Shanghai, and that's always like a a must do for for lovers of Disneyland, but also for families. Like it's just a simply great place. Yep. You know, your closest one other than Shanghai, of course, is Hong Kong or Tokyo. And then uh, you're getting into Paris, and then of course LA and uh, uh, you know Florida, yep. out in Orlando. So um, great um, uh, means of visiting. Um, it's it doesn't cost any more or any less to sort of go to uh, Shanghai, sort of Disneyland, but it's certainly a, a good day out. Um, and it's as I said, it's about about 15 bucks in a cab or thereabouts out to um, uh, Shanghai Disneyland. So, so there's really something for the to. family there. There's something for the uh, architecture lovers that yes. can check out yeah. Shanghai as well. Everybody asks, what about the food? The most amazing thing for me is that you can get amazing Chinese food yeah. that the locals eat, that the locals make. Yeah. But you can sit in a restaurant like M on the Bund yes. and eat a steak from Murray Bridge. Yeah, so there's it. clearly that big sort of Western influence as well that they're, you know, oh. I mean, they, they, they import anything. And, they, and there are lots of expats living in um, Shanghai as well. Um, I like the Pulana Brew House, which is um, uh, basically in the French concession area. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a Pizza Express there, which is, well, they call it Cafe Marciano, I think, from memory, which is a division of the, the English version of Pizza Express, not to be confused with, uh, you know, pizza in your face in 10 minutes and then you're out of there kind of thing. It's a sit-down place where you can get a beer and a wine. Um, and that's 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 one of my places of choice when I come into Shanghai. It's pizza as good as you'd find in Venice or pretty much Brooklyn or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the nice things I think about Shanghai or, or or Beijing, some of the larger cities, is that you can opt into um, the the local cuisine, so Asian food, um, Chinese food, and, and a lot of it can be regional as well because you've got Sichuan food and of course you've got Nonya cuisine and other sort of uh, types, um, but. I would say it's like quite like buying Ringling Chinese food. You know, I'll have the lemon chicken, thanks, with the special egg fried yep. rice. It's not quite the same. <laughs> no. But I, I'm a fussy eater, but I wouldn't say that I was really sort of caught off guard too often. I could always look through a menu and mm-hmm. find something I liked. You know, it could have been chicken with cashew nuts or, uh, you know, something to do with rice, you know. And they, they, they do recognize special fried rice. And then, of course, for the connoisseur, for the bon viveur who loves sort of Asian food. I mean, you can eat anything. It's off the scale. You know, you can have anything from, you know, dishes containing sea slug and jellyfish and fried pigeon and all sorts of things right down to your regular sort of proteins. And there are lots and lots of regional specialties. And the Chinese, although people don't believe them to have a sweet tooth, they do eat a lot of sweet stuff. Mm. So uh, a lot of it's sort of very rice-based, sort of like rice mooncake type stuff. But um, there are lots of confectionery shops that sort of deal with sort of... um, local Chinese food. So don't 
come at it like it, you're going to have the equivalent of a Mars bar, but it's going to be something sweet mm. and quite delicious. And they're also maestros when it comes to fresh juices as well, because they're down in the south. They uh, they 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 grow uh, not in Shanghai proper, but outside of Shanghai, a lot of tropical fruit. So uh, you've got sort of great pineapples and guava juices, mango juices. They're all very very. Prevalent. I saw a mango shop that was literally just offering slices of yeah, mango, yeah. and there was a lineup of hundreds of people just yeah. lining up quick. Whip, whip, into a cup and away they yeah, went. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of um, um, foodie-type tours you can do, actually. Um, Phil did a trip. Um, it was like a Shanghai gourmet foodie-type trip. And he said, you know, if I if I hadn't have been on the trip and I'd have just gone past this place and seen what they were serving, he said I'd have just rolled my eyes and just walked straight, you know, carry on, let's walk straight ahead. But he said on the tour, he said, you know, given the explanation of what things were, he said he would come again at any of this sort of stuff, mm. you know, and, and eat it without sort of any hesitation. So I, I think if, what I would say is if you were an adventurous person, you know, China, just, you know, embrace it with open arms. If you're not so adventurous, just um, look at some of the, the menus. A lot of the menus are in dual language. So they're in uh, English and, of course, um, Chinese. Um, and then, you know, if you really are not that into rice and sort of Asian food, there will always be something sort of westernized that you can eat as well the loads sh- of coffee bars the shanghai experience as a whole it's like a big chinese ice cream where the game of footy is just the cherry on top yeah pretty much you can yeah, enjoy yeah. everything else and at the end of the day yeah. see a game of football yeah that's well. the good that's a good part about it you know and i think that's what people love about it because it's um it is the the jewel in the crown of, a, of an experience and i i spoke to a lot of people there over the last couple of years i've been going what do you what do you think of the place and some people i spoke to had never traveled before not not even out of australia and they got to shanghai and it literally had blown their minds and i, I think the resounding thing was people were saying you know i need to come back and see more of this and bring the wife next time or bring such and such or we'll spend a week or two weeks because china has so much depth and so much um, breadth to it like there's just so much going on you've got the terracotta warriors in xian of course the the famous uh, uh, warriors that stand in formation they were found by accident in the 1970s and then of course you've got the great wall which extends for 6700 kilometers and one of the best parts to see it is just outside of beijing and then you know who can't forget tiananmen square i mean the Chinese build squares and public spaces bigger than anyone else on earth. You know, this place is massive, you know, and it's it's basically the precursor or entry point to the Forbidden City. Um, and then you've got the Temple of Heaven and um, um, you've got lots of um, hutongs, the old sections of um, Beijing, which was sort of uh, um, built to house sort of apothecaries and small stores and things. They've got a, a complete artistic quarter if you're interested in buying beautiful oils and watercolours, but also artists' requisites as well because so much paint and yep. uh, paper and uh, paintbrushes are manufactured in China. They, they're maestros when it comes to uh, to art and that sort of thing. So, yeah, art lovers, gourmet lovers, um, families, um, solos, there's, there's something going on for everyone. And then, of course, the sport. June 2, 2019 yeah. is the day. Port Adelaide and St Kilda, Shanghai, China. Melanie, thank you so much for talking thank us you, through that. Thank and you. Can I just say, if anyone does go, if they could bring back some white rabbit. I don't know if you tried that. That's white a, rabbit. It's a confectionery. A oh, lolly. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might yeah. be the greatest lolly I've ever <laughs> yeah. eaten. So if someone can bring <laughs> yeah. some of that back, that would be true. Thank white you so rabbit. much, Melanie Wynn. Thanks, Lee.